Hi, I'm James Schillinglaw. I'm here aboard Seaborne Venture. Still, we're on a Greenland Arctic cruise. And a few days ago, I had was lucky enough to go down in one of the, the submersibles. They actually have two on board this. And right here are two of the pilots uh, for those submersibles. And they also are expedition team members. And I have uh, Seb Coulthard and Meryl Dalbot. And so we're gonna to talk to them about this experience and about being part of the expedition team and a whole lot more on Insider Travel Report. Now, first of all, guys, it was a heck of a lot of fun to go down in, as we said, I was saying submarines, it's submersibles. And so uh, tell us, Merle, first of all, wh what, what is the, submarine, the, su the submersible experience that you offer here and uh, what, what can you do? Thanks so much, James. Um, so we're here in the middle of our Arctic season. We're moving between Iceland, Greenland, and ultimately the Northwest Passage going into Alaska. We offer, I would say, really interesting diving using our two submersibles. We're diving sometimes in places where we visited last season, last time we were in the Arctic, but often we're diving in new places where we've never been before. Mm -hmm. So it's that real feeling of exploration and discovery. Yeah, so we're going down to places, and you know that Seb, when we were down, when I was down with you, you were saying these are places nobody's ever seen before, and maybe the sea life, what there is of it down there, uh, hasn't seen us either. So now talk a little bit about the, sub the submersible you use on this ship. Uh, who built it and what, what, what is it? Uh, we have two U-Boat work submarines. They're, they're a seven-seat submarine, so six guests and uh, one pilot. They're called Cruise Sub 7 300 series submarines or submersibles. And these are kind of uh, state-of-the-art? They are. They are state-of-the-art. They're the equivalent of, uh, of an underwater sports car coupled with uh, an element of exploration uh, built into them. Um, we have a Mark II Crew Sub 7 300 series, so they can dive to a, deep th uh, a depth of 300 meters. That's about a thousand feet. And um, throughout the dive down to the, the, the sea floor, um, you have this experience of, uh, of being in this um, almost like a spaceship. It's, it's a it very does, it does feel like a spaceship I got to tell you when we were going down and you actually do make references I think you have a recording of Neil Armstrong or something too uh, which is pretty cool yeah yeah it's it's the closest experience you have to sort of uh, tr uh, space travel without actually leaving the planet and um, when we get closer to the sea floor uh, as you mentioned you know I, I do have a recording of uh, Neil Armstrong steering the lunar lander as he comes in to land on the moon and we can create a similar experience because, as Meryl mentions, you know, we're, we're traveling to places that people simply do not visit. We're going beyond the depth of scuba diving and, um, and, and hopefully uh, you, you get to see something nobody has ever seen before. No, and that is in, it's in, we're talking talk about that in a second now. Uh, Meryl, what, what um, do passengers need to prepare before going down on this sub? I mean, how challenging is it to get in and get in the sub? And, and maybe there might be some people that really shouldn't go, right? Yeah, good question, James. Um, in terms of preparations for, for getting in the sub, um, we do a comprehensive briefing before we go like to the entire ship. And then also as you're coming into the sub, as you're stepping from the Zodiac 
to the submersible, how you then go about sort of getting in. We advise people to wear dark colored clothing, mm -hmm. uh, like they're they're in. Yeah, they're little booties too. And right. the little and the little booties. So dark colored clothing. That's because light colored clothing will reflect against the acrylic domes of the subs, and those those acrylic domes are just fantastic. As I say, they're the same refractive index as water. So when you're sitting in the sub and you're looking out through those domes, it's like there's nothing between you and the and the you know the wide ocean. And and the first temptation for everyone myself included if you're sitting in those passenger seats is to like touch just to make sure there's something actually there because it looks like there's just nothing so dark colored clothing um, is good we have the little neoprene booties and that just keeps your your feet protected from stepping on the the zodiac to the submersible and also protects those acrylic domes very strong but also you don't want to scratch the surface protects the acrylic domes from your feet yeah, plus, now, you, plus you have to get down, you have to climb down the stairs, exactly. the, the ladder, I would say, down into the sub. Right? Exactly, and that, that's a good uh, thing to keep in mind in terms of, of who might find this more of a challenge to go. It's a, it's a very relaxing experience once you're in the sub, but let's say you, know, you need to, one, be able to fit through the hatch, so keep that in mind. It's not a, a huge space as such, but I think you know, suitable for most people, but you also need to have bendy knees because you need to go down, 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 down the stairs and then you need to sort of bend and like crawl over to one side or other. It's yeah. not a huge space and that's something to keep in mind and frequently we get people, you know, concerned, oh, I have claustrophobia, how is that going to work for me? And I don't have claustrophobia, but I know that, let's say, when the seats are all turned in, when, the, when all your passengers are facing the pilot, it is a small space, but once you turn those seat carousels out and you're looking into the wider ocean, you have the whole, the whole ocean there. And I think the vast majority of people who, who have claustrophobia don't have an issue well, anymore. I, so, I talked to some people who are a little worried about it, a little concerned, but they, they seem to be okay. And Seb, going to that question, how comfortable is it down there? I mean, you mentioned it's like a sports car. Actually, you have padded seats. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a beautifully built machine. Um, the, the Dutch company that, that produced uh, the submarines, they've gone to a great deal of uh, trouble to give us um, beautiful leather seats to, to enjoy the comfort of. Um, it is a reasonably spacious space once the carousel's turned out. And um, when, when, when you're looking out of those windows, the experience becomes one of um, human exploration at, at, at the edge of, of what that machine is capable of delivering. So we're going to go as, as deep as we as we can within the within the limitations of the machine and um, and go and explore we, we don't send divers down uh, ahead of us we're, we're there to, to to do some exploratory work and hopefully uncover something that's new and, 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 and that's and, what and I wanted to ask Merrill about is when you get down there what do you see what what are the things that I mean here uh, uh, you know it's some some smaller sea creatures some 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 fish uh not a lot but what do you see down there so yeah it really depends on where you are and at that moment and because we haven't dived in most of those locations before and even things change from season to season we really in advance don't have any idea and two things to keep in mind i suppose first often there's you know often there's this feeling of like we're going to the bottom and right. that is our destination fantastic that is a fantastic ecosystem on the bottom you'll have things living in the sediment probably slightly smaller than than we want to see and um, you'll have things living on the sediment but remember of course the water column above that that is a huge ecosystem and that's just filled oh, with all, light. all the full like the little plankton and things exactly. as you're going to the you you, you refer yeah. to it as uh, what sea, sea snow or something marine snow, Ma marine, marine, snow. marine snow so right. marine snow but that of course is the dead component of that that's just like this constant little snowfall 
or rainfall of dead animal bits, dead plankton, poop from birds up above and things like that. Sounds but pleasant, right? <laughs> it does, it's great, but that's just the sparkly bits. But there's also lots of animals that live in that environment, you know, fish, eating bits of that, eating plankton, eating each other. You've got jelly animals, you've got jellyfish. I did see some of those jellyfish. I'm, I'm keeping, I keep on having my fingers crossed for like sharks. I mean, you never know what you could see in the water column as well. So I think that sometimes, you know, you want to focus on the entire experience, not just, well, what will we see when we touch down? It's yeah, like- yeah, No, you do see, you see uh, a lot of sea stars. Uh, yeah. And you've told, I think you told me that, that they're actually bigger than they appear. They uh, like, yes. and, and then you see some, uh, so what do they call them? Um, so we've got sea, like so here in the Arctic what we're seeing mostly in terms of our benthic environment that's organisms that live on the bottom we're seeing starfish we're seeing a lot of sea anemones we're seeing a lot of soft corals and also some sponges and then also you're getting uh, quite a variety of fish in there as well now that's uh, an interesting uh, juxtaposition in some in some ways not others there's some similarities with the Antarctic but there's also some differences in the Antarctic sponges dominate a lot of the a lot of the spots that we right. dive sponges and sea squirts which look a bit like sponges but are actually more closely related to you and me than most other things um, starfish large starfish are definitely a big thing in the Antarctic fish not so much that's right. not to say that you won't now and then see fish but compared to the Arctic environment where there are a lot of fish species. We did, we did see a couple, yeah, mm -hmm. down there, yeah. Antarctic, not so much. Ice fish are the group in the Antarctic, but they tend to hang out on the bottom until you disturb them. So here we've got a lot more fish in the water column as well. So it's, it is quite a different environment, even though there are similarities, of course, because you're talking about frigid polar waters and the adaptation that the organisms need to survive is you know, convergent or is very similar in those, those areas. Well, so mm. that's what you see in the Arctic and the Antarctic. What about, uh, and th this, this uh, ship goes all over the place and you're getting a second one coming in. It's gonna actually go out to the Pacific. Uh, what about you know other places in the world like the Caribbean, South America, and eventually you're going to be going out to the Pacific. What are we going to see out there? Well, um, so we, we've seen plenty of marine snow in this part of the world, and it does it does um, obscure the the vision within a, a certain number of meters. In the in the warmer climates, where we're really hoping for um, visibility that allows us a further range um, of vision, uh, a greater variety of uh, of fish, a bit more color. Um, soft corals, uh, the, the, the hard corals, and, um, and of course, depending on the location um, in the Pacific, it, it may be an opportunity to go and do some exploratory work on perhaps a shipwreck or some artifact that has been left over from uh, recent modern conflict um, in the Pacific. So you, you and, and, and Seb actually is a historian of World War II as, as he gives it. So it's going to be very interesting to hear, hear your lectures on that part of the world. Yeah, what, watch this space. So uh, while, whilst we're operating in that region, um, yeah, we'd certainly like to to visit some some locations, and we and we'll do that respectfully. Um, try and try and find some uh, some interesting, um, yeah, perhaps a warship or, well, or cargo ship. Warship, absolutely. So I, I definitely want to do that. Now there is an ex. I'm sorry. No, I just wanted to add to that, if I if I may, okay. James. Um, and what Seb mentioned, of course, is very true. So what we're what we're experiencing here, or one of the challenges that we're experiencing here, is of course we're diving in colder waters that during the summer season are incredibly productive. We've got this phytoplankton bloom at the surface layers. We've got zooplankton going crazy, eating that phytoplankton, eating each other. And as a result of that incredibly high productivity, which then also sustains a lot of other, other life, the visibility in the water is 
not what you would expect in the in the tropical areas okay so you're looking for like a good day we're talking about four five maybe six seven meters that's a good level of visibility for mm. diving and, and scuba divers in these areas are going to experience and the same it thing. is very dark down there once you get and depending on how deep you go of course yeah. you're losing the light now in the tropics you've got very unproductive waters there's not much nutrients in those waters at all so you're not getting that phytoplankton bloom your coral reefs are very productive but the waters themselves are not and that's why you get this incredible visibility 30 40 even 50 meters is pretty standard for the tropics if anyone scuba dived in the tropics that's the sort of thing you're going to get so really exciting diving in the, in in those areas you're going to get uh, and i think these areas are in many ways you know better known at least at scuba depths a lot of people scuba dive in the tropics coral reefs lots of colorful fish fantastic that'll be great to put it mildly but we also then have the option of course of going deeper and we like to go deeper beyond that scuba zone and then in the tropics as well and as seb said the potential of wrecks and other deep sea corals deep sea organisms super exciting well it sounds like we're going to have a lot of fun going when when uh, uh seaburn pursuit comes in that which is just a few months away now there is an extra cost for this on this on the uh, submersible uh, uh do you know what that is i believe it's 900 dollars per person okay. to go in the submersible okay. yes so it is an extra cost but a lot of people do it because mm -hmm. it's really an experience that you kind of have to tick off the box and say that you can do it i know i did this i've done this second a couple of times now now uh do you think that some people are just interested as i said because they've never been in a submersible before? Look, absolutely. I mean, as excited as a biologist as I am about going down there and seeing, you know, we don't know what life forms we're going to see, we don't know what we're going to encounter, but the technology that we're using is astounding. And I would say that even if we go down and see like absolutely nothing, there's just like a blank mud bottom, the fact that you, you are in essentially as close as you can get to a spaceship, there's this incredibly self-contained life support system that you can move around and it really does feel like you might be touching down on one of the moons of Jupiter. Yeah. Because that's the sort of thing, that's the sort of thing that the technology allows us to do and to do so safely. No, that's you great, know? incredible, incredible. Now, uh, it, 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 I guess, Seb, is it just fun to drive a submarine like this? Is, is, uh, and what do you have to learn to drive it? Uh, it's, it's, it's a huge amount of fun to pilot a submarine. Um, we, were, we were very fortunate to spend uh, a month of, um, of very, very intense training on the island of Curacao. Um, in the Caribbean, where we—that's rough duty to be there in a month it's, for a curse. It's a hard, it's a, it was a hard day's work every day. Um, <laughs> they were, they were beautiful days, very warm, you know, sort of 33 degrees centigrade, and we're, we're we're piloting the submarine every day for about a month, and um, uh, there is no simulator for submarine pilot training. You you have to train on the machine itself. So you, it starts off with. Uh, the diving physics, the, the diving principles of the machine. And then eventually you go into the complexity of its safety systems, um, of um, the, the, the control systems that we use to maneuver the submarine mm -hmm. underwater. And to do that with a little bit of finesse and tact, it, it, okay. takes, it takes a bit of, of time. And, and well, I can I tell, you, 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 were, you were operating it, you are going around the bottom very carefully and, and not to disturb, but it was amazing how you guys operate this. And I, I assume that's the same way that what attracted you was the fun of doing this technology, right? 
Oh, look, absolutely. Look, as a child, I'll, I'll be honest, I always wanted my own spaceship. I always wanted my own star cruiser. I you know, read a lot of science this fiction. Is, this Still is the closest now. This is the closest I could get. So, and, and, you know, from day one, the excitement has just continued to build. It's like, I can't wait till the next time we dive. So. No, and, and absolutely. You, and you do, do, do size several dives over the course of, we, we're now almost a two-week cruise. Uh, we, not every day, but uh, like today, here we are. We're, in the, we're actually in the garage for the subs. One of two garages, so they have two subs. Now, the other thing is both of you, are also members of the expedition team so you have other duties to to fulfill and other expertise uh, Seb and I've seen some of your lectures what's your expertise on board um, so I, I double up as uh, so submarine pilot uh, is my, my main role but uh, we're visiting sites of uh, of historic importance here in Greenland so I double up as the ship's uh, polar historian um, I cover the subject of uh, the Norsemen, the Vikings, the early days of polar exploration to the North Polar regions, um, the Northwest Passage, um, polar uh, travels of the discovery surface at the turn of the, um, the, the, the 19th century. Um, and of course, we have history here that dates back thousands of years to the, to the indigenous peoples uh, that migrated across uh, the Canadian high Arctic and into and into Greenland um, and of course Europeans and uh, indigenous people met about a thousand years ago here and from this location um, we had the Europeans travel to America for the first time around the year 1000 so I, I specialize in, in the polar history Indeed, one of your fascinating lectures was uh, the history in, in World War II uh, and, and, you know, what this area was like, uh, you know, during that time, which I found fascinating. And then I just walked out of a lecture you gave on who was the first to the North Pole. Uh, apparently, there were a lot of disputes about that, and there were a lot of uh, fake people who said they were there but never never actually got there, right? That's right, yeah. There's, uh, there's a lot of sort of hoaxes, and uh, there are stories of tragedy, and there are stories which are, which are beautiful and um, and each one is worthy of its own presentation. So we, we try and give an overall um, taster of, of polar travel at the turn of the last century and really encourage folks on board to our, our wonderful guests to, to go and pick up the books for each one of those yeah, stories yeah, if they wish. I felt like I was back in, in, in college and I had a reading list after you, you know, because there was so much to do. Now, Meryl, same question. What is your other function as an expedition team member? Thank you. Um, like Seb, obviously, when I'm on board Seaborne Venture and Pursuit coming up, um, my first and primary role is as a submersible pilot, but I'm also marine biologist, marine mammal expert, and a botanist. So I will provide presentations on a variety of topics and I've actually got a lecture coming up. I know, it's coming up, I want to look forward to it. I went to Seb's today, I got to go to yours as well. Hour, so I, feel, I feel like I'm, I'm back in college, I'm learning all these things, you know, but they are actually, it's a lot of fun to hear all this stuff and it, it's fascinating. There are other members of the expedition team that give their lectures about uh, whales, about icebergs, about mm -hmm. geology, and they really are fascinating things that, you know, you're here also to learn and, and that's what, you know, this is all about, this cruise. Now, uh, Seb, tell me a little bit about what's your background and why are you here? How did you get here? Well, uh, it's going to surprise you, but I, I come from a Royal Navy background and you'd think I would say I served on a submarine. I'm actually an aeronautical engineer, but uh, the, the other direction, huh? the other direction. I've, I've worked plenty up in the sky, but uh, the, the standard of engineering uh, safety for aviation is equal to that of submarine engineering. So, so I, I bring my experience in safety management um, and and, and uh, logistics, working with very crit safety critical machinery to to this uh, to this position, and um, um, I don't I don't look back 
too too much at my past in the Navy. That was one career, and now I have a, a second, and I'm I feel very privileged, very very grateful to Seaborn. But, but you also had picked up all this wonderful historical knowledge as well in the course of this, which is amazing, and you, yeah. you really seem to fascinated by it. His, history has been a passion of mine for for years, and uh, when you travel far and wide, you'll you'll pick up a story here and there, and if you pull at the string of that story, it leads to something else, and and I've really shaped my my, my new career as a submarine pilot, mm. uh, coupled with the history of the regions that we visit. So I'll share those stories down below in the submarine. Uh, there are amazing uh, submarine history stories. And, um, and in company with, with Merrill, we share um, the, 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 the marine environment. No, absolutely. Um, and that is your passion as well. Now, what was your background to get here? Well, uh, quite different from Seb in many ways, and I'm just going to say that, uh, you know, of our submersible team, of which there are about 16 pilots, we all come from a variety of different backgrounds, you know, some shared experiences, but also sometimes quite different. Some of us come from within the expedition industry, and both, of course, Seb and I also having spent quite a bit of time in the expedition industry before then training as submersible pilots, um, but others coming in from, from other industries. And I think that that really adds to the strength of the team. We all bring our individual skills and experience, and that complement sort of each other and and the I think the experience that we then ultimately are able to provide for for our guests um, so my background is uh, I spent different career. Uh, I used to be a marine mammal uh, whale biologist. I spent many years in the uh, hallowed halls of academia working with uh, uh, bits of uh, whales, um, doing DNA analysis, working out evolutionary relationships on rare whales, species identity, stint in Japan, looking at the whale meat trade and other things. Um, and then at one point I just decided I wanted to do different things and I retrained as a wilderness guide, ended up doing a lot of rock climbing, canyoning, uh, bushwalking guiding. I actually guide walking holidays still when I'm not on the, not on the ship and uh, then also got into expedition work and just really loved it. it it gave sort of this free reign of like I've always been super curious about sort of everything and there's not enough hours in the day and uh, so expedition work and traveling to lots of different places and you know wanting to learn and share that learning with other people you know with our passengers with fellow expedition team is, is part of the fun and then when I heard the opportunity like I said to train as a submersible pilot spaceship dream of my youth <laughs> i just yes i was you i was get to be han solo and everything else i do, else. I do. No, it's it's a yeah it's amazing but you know you it's, it's said so you got your passion and your original studies were whales and now you're out looking at whales all the yeah. time right yeah absolutely though fingers crossed still but we are unlikely to see whales from the submersibles so uh, uh someday someday i know someday, like that someday. someday well certainly for yes. me from the platforms we can see it yes, but that's definitely. A, from the zodiacs and from obviously from from our beautiful ship as we're coming through these areas we regularly see whales and that's a beautiful thing we saw, thing, we so. saw a few too it's amazing yeah. well seb merrill i want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me here in your 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 uh, little lair here in the in the garage with the sub one of the two uh it was an amazing experience going down with you i went down with seb uh, you, you, I thought I was going with you, and then all of a sudden I'm with Seb, and, but that's okay. That's okay. I've had dinner with both of you, so it's been wonderful. Uh, and, and actually, the, it, it's a fascinating trip, no matter who you go down with. They really know their stuff down here, and, and you really do feel like you're a bit in, into space. So it's been an amazing experience. I want to thank you both. Thank you so much, James. Yeah, thank you, James. Thank you. I am James Schillinglaw, and this is Insider Travel Report. <laughs>